Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. <sighs> yes, colorful backgrounds. Okay, so if you guys remember, today we'll be continuing our discussion of Toni Morrison's Sula. When part one ended, Sula had left the city for 10 years, and we had made some predictions. Yes, we did. Um, <laughs> all which were very accurate, I, I would say. <laughs> I would say they were like, not even, not too bad, not too bad. But were what, what were your close predictions? So if you guys remember, which, you know, we made our predictions, which were, Jude turns out to be awful. Okay, okay. Jude turns out to be awful. Um, we thought we were going to figure out what happens to Eva's leg. We thought that the Chicken Little situation would, you know, resurface in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, we also thought that Sula would grow into some type of pariah figure now that Nell had married Jude, like maybe she wouldn't be able to let go, and that the absence of Nell from Sula's life would make Sula much more odd, and it, it would stand out more in the society. And lastly, I think we thought Jude and Sula would be beefing over Nell, like the sort of weird energy, right. like, like I was here first. It's like a whole situation. Right, Tri- love triangle. I was like kind of hoping that there would be like some like amorous, like queer like right intention um and honestly looking back like we weren't totally off yeah we had some we got some things yeah so some things were on the money other things not so much it's definitely not a repeat of fifth season where we were like oh like we're gonna find like what's his name um Oh yeah, Jaga. Juju, JB. What the fuck is his name? I have forgotten. Oh my god. His name isn't Jude. Jude isn't Sula. No. Oh my god. What was his name? I forgot. Jacob? No, it wasn't. It's something with a J, though. They did not find him. They didn't. I have yet to. Jija. Jija, yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, gosh. If you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, fifth season, episode two, come on. Also, you should probably listen to the first part of this episode if you have not, as the rest will not make any sense (laughs) otherwise. But yes, so so those are our predictions. And so I guess now we will, um, yeah, just kind of go into the plot summary and kind of go into our thoughts. Also, quick caveat, I know back in like episode one, I know we're like, you know, episode four, we're like podcasters. Um, like, but like in episode one, we kind of like, I had sort of given a summary of what the show would be like. And I was kind of saying how we were trying to try to do like a non-spoiler section and a kind of spoiler part section and that like the quote part would be more like independent. As y'all can probably see that shit is really out the window. So honestly, the format of the show really is just going to be, we summarize the book up into the part. And then we just talk about it. So yeah. there's going to be spoilers. Everywhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> it's just going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, so just wanted to make that clarification in case people were like, um, that's really weird that y'all said that this could be the format. And here you are not doing that. Like, <laughs> way to be really consistent. But yes, so there is that. But anyway, with all that out of the way, let's jump right into this meal. So essentially, like Akko mentioned, when part one ended, Sula had left the town for about 10 years. Nell had just gotten married to Jude, who has, like, really fragile masculinity. And we were kind of like, oh, girl, it's about to be a whole shenanigan. So when the book resumes, it's in the year 1937. And Sula had just, she's just returned to Medallion from college in Nashville. So the first scene, legit, is her going back into Eva's house, and the two of them just immediately get into beef. Like, I don't even, like, I, up to this point, we didn't really know that Sula and Eva were beefing like that, because I'm like, I mean, that's your grandma, like, what? But, like, it's just, like, they just had this whole back and forth where yeah. Eva was like, you're low-key evil, and then, like, Sula was, like, throwing shade about how she burned plum, and it was, like, this whole thing. And so Sula had basically ended the argument that they had with, like, 
oh, well, girl, like, I mean, shit, like, maybe I'll just, like, light you on fire, like, one day. And then, like, the next, literally the next sentence was like, yeah, so Eva started liking her door after the <laughs> conversation with Sula. Uh, but basically, shortly after that, Eva's actually escorted out of the house on a stretcher. And they didn't really necessarily go into detail as to why. But later on, they tell you that Sula actually sent Eva to a retirement home called Sunnydale. Right. Which is kind of like this old, sort of, like, mostly white like, rural retirement home that everyone's like, why the fuck is Eva in Sunnydale? Like, that's not what needs to happen next. Yeah, and everyone was like, do we do that? Is that a thing we do? Do we send our old to retirement homes? And everyone's like, no, we we don't do that. We actually don't do that. Sula, so, like, Sula already on the bullshit. But also, it was interesting because when Sula came home, there was, like, this weird, like, plague of robins. Like, there were just, like, robins everywhere, like, flying around, shitting everywhere, dying everywhere, like... To the point where it was just, like, kind of taking over everything. And so, like, again... Like a plague. Like, it's almost like she was a phenomenon, you know? Like, right. Like, it was almost like, yeah, like, it's like, I don't know what the Bible says, what, about locusts or whatever. It was kind of similar right. to that. It was just, like, just it's robins like, everywhere. And it's like, it wasn't like an, you know, like, a cro- crows. Like, it feels like a murder of crows. Like, that would have been an ominous thing to, like, right. welcome her back into town. But it was almost comical. Like, robins, and then they're shitting everywhere. At first, you're like, oh, robins, that's pleasant. And then they're shitting everywhere. And you're like, no, this is not pleasant. This, this isn't is, fun. <laughs> like, maybe there's a metaphorical aspect here but so yeah so it was like just really fucking weird there's like just robins everyone everyone's like well i guess sula's back oh and like it was also funny too because like most things in medallion like everyone was just like oh there's just a plague of robins we'll just deal with this like all things and like like you know it's it's describing how evil is just a thing that happens and they just kind of like wait it out for it to be over but basically yeah so sula's back nell is of course overjoyed that sula's back and she's just like you know Everything just feels, like, brighter. She just feels more connected. She, like, just, like, there's just, like, a loving energy now that she's, now that she's back. So the two of them actually shortly thereafterwards, like, kind of catch up. And they're, like, you know, just, like, spilling tea about people that they grew up with. Like, talking shit. You know, just, like, hanging out. Whatever. And around this time, Jude, who was Nell's husband, enters a conversation. And, like, I forgot what exactly he said. But basically, like, there was, like, a moment where, oh, Jude had just come back from work. It became this whole thing about, like, oh, you know, like, the black man really works hard in this country, just underappreciated, da-da-da-da-da. And then Sulu was like, ah, I don't know, like, I feel like it's, like, not that bad. Like, I don't know, I feel like you get to go out and do work and be a person, like, whatever. Um, and it was weird because, like, in an interaction like that, it's implied that, like, Nell usually would be like, oh, it's okay, baby, like, it's fine. But Sulu was just like, I mean, like, I don't know, I feel like you're kind of complaining and you, like, at least get to, like, I don't know, like, have some rights. Um... So, yeah, so basically, that's kind of how that interaction ends. And then the next scene is, like, basically Nell coming to terms with the fact that Sula and Jude, like, not really have like, had sex. They but, had like, sex. They cheated. Sula and Jude betra- betrayed Nell. That's what yeah, happened. Yeah. The sex scene sounded kind of weird, though, because basically Nell walked in on, like, Sula and Jude, like, both naked and on all fours, just, like, kissing each other without looking at each other. It was just, like, a weird... It was, like, it was like a weird scene. It was weird. Yeah. So, basically, Nell walks in and is like, yo, what the fuck? And so... They both after- are seem... They both are kind of like... Like, Jude's like, well, I guess I'll move out. And Sula's like, nah. Yeah. You're like, guys. <laughs> There's just, like, a nonchalance with, like, all of it. All so, of it, like, yeah. there's a whole affair that, like, bursts out. Shortly afterwards, Nell is kind of, like, in this grieving period, and then she starts to see this, like, gray ball of fur in her bathroom, and it was kind of described that, like, you know, when she first discovered it, she expected to be, like, really upset and to, like, let out this deep wail of, like, despair, but then she, nothing really came out, but she could, like, see out of the corner of her eye this, like, gray furry ball, and she, like, didn't dare to actually look at it because she knew that if she did, like, it wouldn't 
bode well. So it's just like kind of again this like similar to the Robins, like just like this weird phenomenon that's just kind of there mm, that like showed up after her um, discovering that yeah, like they were having this affair. And so yeah, so that's kind of where that initial chapter ends. Basically, it kind of goes into talking about how even in this period where she's like, "Yo, what the fuck? I can't believe Sulu did this shit." Like she still like thinks about her and like clearly still cares about her. Um, True. Yeah. So basically, that's the end of Sula and Nell's relationship tacitly. They pretty much stop talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And Sula develops this sort of terrible reputation where everyone, much like her mom, Hannah, actually was sleeping Mm -hmm. with a bunch of men. But unlike Hannah, who everyone didn't talk trash about and accepted was like a force, people hate Sula for sleeping with their husbands. In fact, they hate her for pretty much everything. Yeah. and so everyone's like, and I think what it is is they talk about how like she doesn't even she doesn't even like like them like she's she like right. sleeps with them and she's like has the audacity to like not care about right. just like move on and like not be pressed right and so that's pretty bad and then also everyone as for as much as they hate Sula then is almost like nicer to other people in their families and their lives to like in spite of to like almost yeah like like in spite of of um. Sula's behavior. So it says, mm-hmm. like, mom, like, Sula, like, accident, not even on purpose. Like, a kid runs up to Sula's door and, like, falls by himself. And Sula, right. like, goes to pick him up, and the mom sees the kid, who, the kid who she never liked, to be honest oh, with but, you. Oh, but yes. <laughs> and then she's all of a sudden, like, oh, Sula, like, beat my child. And now I love him dearly. And, like, was, like, taking care of him and, like, being really sweet. And then, like, everyone found out that Sula put Ava in a nursing home. So they're like, we would never do that. And so they're, like, all, like, very much, like, taking care of their old people. And, like, husbands are like very like hurt by the fact that Sula even though they're cheating <laughs> is unconcerned with their cheating and so wives are like really stroking their egos like oh honey you like are the best and like so everyone Sula is definitely a phenomenon that has like spurred medallion into a different type of behavior and action right and like honestly just like just like like the rumors that spread about Sula are really just just dumb as fuck like literally like there was one person named Desi who was like who one day saw like so, oh, by the way, I know in the last episode we we were like, is Sha- are Shadrach and Plum the same person? They're they're actually not the same person. They're we two were completely wrong. different people. <laughs> like, so Shadrach is the person that we were describing most of the time. Plum was the one that was burned alive. Shadrach is the one who like has PTSD, and everyone's just like, oh, Shadrach, suicide day, whatever. So one day, yeah, like basically Shadrach was outside, just carried on, and then like he like went up to Sula and like tipped his hat, which apparently was really uncharacteristic. Like he's someone that like is normally kind of mean to people. And so, like, that happened, and, like, after Desi witnessed this, she, like, went back to her house and then, like, had a sty on her eye. And she was like, see, I saw Miss Sula, and I got a sty on my eye, and that's never happened before. So, girl, I'm cursed. Sula is cursed. She is of the devil. And I was like, yes, girl, you better tell the truth. And it was just like, but, like, where's the evidence? This random nigga named Mr. Finley, who has been eating chicken bones for 35 years, one day, like, was on his porch, like, Eat a chicken bones, looked up, saw Sula, and then choked and died immediately. <laughs> so, of course, everyone attributed that to Sula. It's just, like, like the, the shit that people can throw at Sula, it's, like, literally, it actually makes zero, zero right. like, and I, I think it does attest to, like, the way that societies who have to rely on, the op, who have to rely on rumors mm-hmm. and sort of everyone knowing something, this is, like, the flip side of the positives of that. Like, yeah. everyone just kind of knows. And now, all, all of a sudden, everyone just kind of knows Sula's evil. And you're like, but why? And they'll be like, oh, well, Mr. Finley, like, choked on a boat. Like, Mr. <laughs> Finley could have choked on that boat any day of the week. Right. Like, <laughs> like, just... like, a sty on your eye. Like, girl, that could have been. This city is dusty as a hell. Oh, right. Like, Y'all saw the anything. Robins. Like, come on. Like, like, God. It's so funny. And also, it, like, talks away. It, 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 like, attests to Tony Morrison's just, like, 
ability to put humor and just the most like <laughs> hilarious way she just like has a way with words that just makes you read it and you're like this is absurd and hilarious and also oddly like feels very close and real and true to something that would happen in real life and like speaks to like the human psyche in like a strange yeah. way like like mr finley like I, like I see myself in mr finley and i'm just like what is happening <laughs> anyway i just cannot anyway so as you were saying i'm sorry <laughs> Oh, right. So let me continue. So <laughs> I'm dead. So, so Sula does, though, fall for a man named Ajax, who oddly kind of like cat called her when she was like a kid. And I call her, I think he called her like pig meat or something, which is yeah. like, not the most romantic call that I've ever heard. And it would not endear me to anyone. But so she's grown up now. She's 29. Yeah, she and, was a whole 12 when he called her that. And he was like 21. Mm. So like, uh, uh. <laughs> but now he is 38 and she's 29. So... Yeah, Ajax is like he is he's a fuckboy. Okay, like that's yeah. just the truth. He has all these girls kind of caping for him, trying to get his attention, starting fights in the streets over him, like typical literally type of knifing people, like literally <laughs> yes, literally knifing people <laughs> for Ajax's attention. And he's like, I am unbothered, unconcerned, and I do not care. And mm-hmm. you're like, wow, Ajax, like uh, you just really be like putting spells on people. So Zula at first is kind of just like, all right, like I mean, I think Ajax starts bringing her like nice things and so she's like ooh I like this like I'm entertained Mm -hmm. and at first you're like okay maybe this is maybe he's met his match maybe Sula is the one to kind of like go toe to toe with Ajax except then she you know unfortunately because girls are like (laughs) I guess this is a terrible thing for us I don't know catches feelings oh no (laughs) and Ajax is like I'm now finished with you because I'm like running from commitment and he's like you put ribbons in your hair and set the table nicely oh god like that's my kryptonite (laughs) and is like now finished with her and like tries to avoid her um yeah oh yeah and then tar baby goes to jail because he was like drunkenly walking in the street and everyone's like i think everyone's still confused about his race and they're like if you're a white person like stop hanging out black people or we don't really know what you're doing tar baby yeah because basically ajax um, even though he sucks otherwise like i guess heard that tar baby had gotten arrested and so then like when he went to go visit him with some of his friends like tar baby was like in jail and had like soiled himself and like like pretty beaten up and they're like yo what the fuck like to the cops and they're like well if he's gonna be a white man like you know if he's gonna be one of these white people to like live with black people like you know we're gonna treat him like a black person and they were like he is a black person <laughs> like so everyone like yeah but it also talks about and again and i think i i want to point this out in society more and more because i think it, it speaks to why racism is so long lasting and why it's is so prevalent in our society because there used to be real tangible um, like effects or or downsides as a white person if Tar Baby is, is white right. <laughs> of, of siding or living with black people, right? Mm-hmm. Like people were like, we will take your privilege and treat you very poorly. Like mm-hmm. even to the point that they're like, honestly, the black people are just black, but you chose to be hanging out with black mm-hmm. people because you just got to sit soiled in a jail by yourself with nobody coming for you. You're like, Jesus, like that. this was such a terrible offense that yeah. you like couldn't... Oh, you know what I mean? So I just, I feel like it's like an oddly very deep way of like discussing about how like whiteness was a, is a very precarious thing that mm-hmm. it's a very fragile and not doing what you're quote unquote supposed to be doing has consequences. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And so in the next chapter, and this is maybe like a year later, mm-hmm. um, 
basically, it, the chapter starts with Sula being really sick um, and Nell going to visit her. So, mind you, so Nell hasn't spoken to Sula in years because she was like, you literally ruined my marriage. Like, what the fuck? Um, and so the two of them have a conversation. It kind of starts with some awkward pleasantries. And then eventually Nell just asks Sula straight up, so... Why did you sleep with Jude? And, and the interesting thing is that in the previous chapter, before this whole conversation even took place, like, it kind of went into Sula's psychology a little bit. And she was saying that, like, we I know we kind of spoke about this in the last episode, but, like, Sula doesn't really, like, emotionally respond with a lot of things. Like, she kind right. of sees things from a distance in a lot of ways. And so, in the past, she and Nell would always kind of, you know, share their attractions and share, you know, sort of their sexual energy. And so... For her, it was really just kind of the, like, oh, like, we've always shared things and sexual feelings in the past. Like, I just, like, I was just curious. So I just, like, saw what it was like. She didn't see it as, like, I'm going to disrespect Nell or I'm going to, like, ruin the sanctity of her marriage. It was just, like, I'm just curious. We've always done this together. So, like, why does it? It was almost, like, kind of, like, she, like, didn't fully get why Nell was upset. And in a lot of ways, she also kind of realized that, like, with marriage came this sort of, like, possessiveness over people that she herself didn't really quite understand. Because, I mean, her mom, like, there was never, like, a possession there with her sort of amorous relationships. And so that's kind of, like, the context of Sula's psychology. But basically, Nell's kind of like, you know, why did you do this? Sula doesn't really give a real response. All she really just says is that, like, oh, there was a space in me that needed to be filled. I wanted it to be filled. Jude was there. Whatever. So Nell, pissed, is like, um, but, like, you didn't even love him and like you didn't even think about me like girl what the fuck and she does say like but what about me like what about me like we had a relationship why would you betray me based on our our closeness and Mm -hmm. it's interesting because it just feels like they're having two different conversations although still both invoking their closeness like Sula's like why would you be mad since we're always together and and Nell's like why would you do that if we've always been together and it's almost like just Mm. two ways of viewing what it means to be together as friends as people who've grown up together it's really interesting yeah so they're they're kind of speaking on different planes um and the whole time sula just sounds a bit sort of heartless like doesn't Mm. have really any remorse about what she did and if anything she was stunted growth yeah like she even at one point was like i mean i don't know why you don't just get over it <laughs> and Nell, of course is like what the fuck because Nell literally like got her medicine and stuff like earlier that day because yeah. like you know she was sick and so basically so, so Nell essentially leaves and was just like you know like the reason why you're alone is because of like how you treat people like look at you you're sick you like she and at this point Sula's like what like 30 like she's yeah. really young and she's just like you know like you're over here dying and people aren't even looking after you because like, like this is how you treat people like yeah. well what the fuck and so essentially Nell leaves um and before she does, Sula asks, like, well, how do you know that you're right in this mm. situation? And then Nell's like, whatever, like, fuck this, I'm over this. And then, like, just leave. And then Sula dies. Right. So after she dies, Sula's death kind of low-key rocks the town a little bit. As you know, everyone was being a good person because Sula was, I guess, this antithesis character. And now that she's dead, <laughs> people decide they no longer needed to be good people. So, like, you know, the... The kid, what was it, Teacup? Teapot. Teapot. Teapot was the one who fell off the porch, and everyone was like, oh my god, Sula pushed that baby, but Teapot just fell. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) And also he broke bones because he was malnourished, because he wasn't really being fed at home. Right, that was it. That was the whole thing. And it was like, Sula broke this baby's bones. It's like, uh, not correct, but anyway, yeah, Teapot. Right, so, so, so Teapot then, like, I think his mom beats him for, like, not appreciating her, like, butter bread that she's made for him. <laughs> Just and you're so like, whack. Like, and, my God. Right? 
<laughs> oh god. You're like this is unnecessary, Man, and then sugar butter bread. Oof, Jesus. Mm. And so then, like the wives stop, you know, cuddling their husbands and like coddling them, and the daughters are starting to be all mean to their old people again. Like, <laughs> and then like apparently the Canadian blacks were like low key being shady, and you're like Canadian blacks, like when did you come into this picture? Why are you being shady in the first place? <laughs> like, when were you previously mentioned? Uh, yeah. Also, this is not a dynamic that I knew existed. I did not know that Canadian blacks, like way back in the day, came down and were like, oh, we were never slaves though like, right. what a <laughs> weird like, what flex <laughs> right. like, i mean ugh, yeah. like, jesus anyway so um yeah so then people like <laughs> i just it's such a weird flex and then so um people like kind of oh shadrach comes back yeah and he's like i don't know he's there being himself and then um suicide day happens and oddly everyone decides that instead of like Usually nobody joins in, like everyone joins in to this suicide day. Mm-hmm. So then like around this time, like true to form with Sula being like uh, a metaphor for a plague, like everything goes icy, the crops start dying and everyone just like so gets becomes somber and like sober. It's just like very odd. It seems to like, yeah, it's almost like a phenomenon like that she has died. So mm-hmm. and that's crazy. And then you actually find Shadrach like had a belt because if you guys remember when chicken little fell into well when they may or may not have murdered chicken little um (laughs) sula ran to shadrach's house to see if he had seen anything and then you actually get this whole part where they explain where like shadrach saw the little girl and i don't think he saw her like i i don't think he was thinking about her throwing chicken little into the water like he was just surprised to have a visitor and it actually kind of seemed like pseudo sexual like when he was talking to Sula, mm-hmm. like it was a little bit weird. But then he, she, she like was so freaked out. If you guys remember from part one, that she like ran out and was like, "I saw, like I don't know what to do." And but he was more like, "Oh, this girl left her belt behind. Like this is the only person who's ever visited me." And he like put the belt up on the wall. And so when Sula dies, he's kind of like, "Dang, like the only person who ever visited me, like that person who like he felt like he was close to oddly, it was now past, and he like didn't want to do suicide day anymore, and didn't want to do anything." But then he decides to do Suicide Day ev- anyway, and, like, everyone decides to join in this time. I, I For whatever, like, it basically says, like, no one was laughing. Like, they decided, like, laughing at Shadrach this time. They, like, joined in, and then it all goes down. <laughs> and we'll get to that yeah. later in our quote, but they really just, everybody dies. Everybody yeah. Cause like, <laughs> so even the part with Sula, it was interesting because Sula had left her belt when she went into his house. And it was interesting because earlier when she had first, so we got that scene initially from Sula's perspective and she was like, yeah, like I was about to ask him, did he see what happened with Chicken Little? And before he, she could have asked the question, he said always. But when Shadrach revisits that passage, he says that like, Sula seemed really shaken and upset. And so he wanted to affirm to her that like, oh, like, it's going to be okay. Like, I'm always going to be there for you. So he, that's why he said always to be like, oh, like, it's okay. Like, I'm always going to be there for you. So he saw that interactions completely differently. And it was funny because there was a part where, and they explained this later in the book, where he was working with this guy named Mr. Hodge, Hodges, um, something like that, and saw Sula's body in like a cellar and was like, oh, so I guess she's not around anymore. So that's how he knew that she was dead. But it was weird because, like, the suicide day, they, like, a bunch of random people just joined in. Like, the Deweys, like, Mrs. Jackson, like, random, bruh. And then they were going around, and then there was this mine that, like, 
it was promised that like people in the town could work in it. But yeah, then, like, they were gonna let black people or colored mm-hmm. people work in the mines. So everyone was like very excited because right. they meant getting jobs. And if you guys remember in part one, they were like really mad about the fact that they couldn't get these like more better jobs at mm-hmm. the mines. So they all start like parading in, except that the mine collapses. Yeah, it didn't like it wasn't meant to support that much weight, and so people just like fell to yeah. their deaths. And a bunch of people died. Not everybody. Shavrak didn't die. And like, maybe the Deweys died. Yeah, the Deweys versus the even, like, even, even in death, d- the know. Deweys are just <laughs> weird and no one knows what happened. Like, basically, they were just like, yeah, like, no one ever saw their bodies again, but like, who knows? We don't really know if they lived. I personally think the Deweys are still alive, of but course. whatever. They of live course. forever. Of course they are. Um, yeah, so that was kind of a weird passage. And then essentially, the book ends with. It's like several years in the future. It's like 25 years later. And Nell actually goes to visit Eva, who is still alive, which I was gagging. I was like, wasn't he? I, oof. Anyway. Anyway, so Nell goes to, to visit Eva. And it was interesting because they were like talking for a little bit. And it seems like Eva is like, she doesn't quite recall everything, but she remembers certain like details of things. And so randomly in the middle of their discussion, you know, they're just talking about oranges and whatever the fuck. And then basically Eva out of nowhere was like, oh, so like, how'd you kill that little boy? And then like, Nell's like, what? She was like, oh, check a little, that boy, the one who fell in the river. Like, how did you, how, like, how'd you do that? And so Nell's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is fucking weird. And so she's leaves the whole situation she was like okay i am not equipped to have this conversation right now because the thing is as you recall sulu was the one who technically like was the one who threw him in the river right. accidentally but then even she said that she was like oh like i wasn't the one that killed chicken little that was sula and then she was like oh you sula i mean it's y'all both one and the same and so now i was like i'm i'm done with this conversation so she leaves and she kind of does some reflection and she sort of just is thinking about sula's death and sort of her you know the funeral that took place afterwards and how like no one in medallion really went to go support her like her funeral was like mostly attended by white people and also she saw mr and mrs hodges like there who were known to be grave robbers like kind of lurking around and like no one was really like there for her except i think they were there were people like in the distance like almost everyone was, yeah the black community was like we will stand over here yeah like people weren't really like Oh, let's be right up next to Sula, like, in this period. And so she's just kind of thinking about this. And she, as she's walking, um, she actually encounters Shadrach just randomly. and was like, that was weird. And then she realizes that in the distance, after she passes Shadrach, she sees that gray ball of fur that she saw after, like, no, uh, after Sula and Jude had sort of, like, had that affair. And in it, she realizes that, like, all of the longing and weeping and sorrow she wanted to express after that affair was not for Jude, but it was actually for Sula. Sula. And she realized that, like, after that, it's like her relationship with her just can never be the same. And so then she just lets out this deep cry. Yeah. And that's how the book ends. ends. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of our predictions, like, we were right in the sense of, like, Chicken Little's death coming up again and, like, you know... Uh, Jude is shitty, <laughs> but like, right? And know, I like, think it is. I when when Sula comes back, it is it is implied that Eva really did like get run over by a train for insurance. Like, what really? if she meant? To, yeah, like she was like, at least I didn't. You know what I mean? Like she was mm. going back and forth about it being like, at least I didn't do that or this. And I know what you did to get the insurance, but you know what I mean. And it's mm. like, oh, so it wasn't confirmed, confirmed, but it was like mentioned a little bit more as confirmed as could be. I think. Yeah. We were real wrong about Jude and Sula going at it, huh? Like, yeah, we thought they were about to fight, and that did not happen. And then, like, super did it. Yeah, Jude became a non-factor real quick. Actually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, after that mm. first chapter, like, we like never really heard from Jude again, and we didn't really care. Isn't that what happened with her father too, though? 
Didn't he like just disappear on a boat and like never come back? Whose father? Um, Nels. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I think so. I completely forgot about that. So I guess there's a parallel there. I kind of forgot that she had a dad. <laughs> See, he was Because they only really talked about Helene, honestly. They did. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, we will continue this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we will continue this discussion in part two. Maybe we take a quick break? Yeah. Let's Perfect. take a quick break. And yeah, we'll jump right back into the discussion. back so before we i don't know what that was um (laughs) so before we jump into our usual discussion i actually want to take a quick moment um and shout out one of our listeners by the name of victoria who yes read sula back in december and she actually had some questions for us and some things that she wanted us to talk about in particular um so again if you want to email us at these color pages at gmail.com y'all might get a shout out on the show but Victoria was curious and wanted us to talk about just a few different scenes that happened in the book. Um, she sort of wanted us to talk about sort of, I guess, who Sula represents in society. Like, Ooh, you know, yeah. is she us? Do we need people like Sula? Mm. How her race kind of, like, influenced her characterization. Um, additionally, also to, like, that really weird scene of Suicide Day where, like, everyone died <laughs> with Shadrach. That was crazy. Um, and kind of, like, there was at the very end, actually, and we didn't mention this in the plot summary, but... After Eva had asked Nell, like, oh, like, whatever happened to Chicken Little? How'd you kill that little boy? Blah, blah, blah. The book kind of goes on to say that, like, from Nell's perspective, she actually found this, like, delight yeah. in Chicken Little dying. And there's actually a really interesting passage that we'll we'll read later in parts of the quotes. That, yeah, right. it's just kind of like, it's kind of... Between Sula and eerie. Nell, who is, who who's, needs who, and who's the villain, who who's isn't? Like, oh, questions yeah so so basically to start off though um so once again thank you victoria for your questions we really appreciate you yeah they're deep so in terms of who sula is in society i think i think it's a classic case of people coming together at the expense of someone else um i think in a lot of ways human nature kind of Perpetuates this idea that, like, you know, for some of us to feel in community, there has to be, like, a common adversary or, like, a common, just, I don't know, just, like, there's someone who has to represent sort of the opposite of who we are, the antithesis of who we are, in order for us to really build community. Because, like, for us, for our community to be a thing, there has to be a thing that represents what we are not. And so, Mm. I think Sula just kind of represents that genuine other and also, Sula's, like, an easy target. I mean, she her actions are kind of callous. She doesn't really give a fuck about everyone around her. She, like, kind of openly doesn't... She doesn't love the fact that she's back in Medallion, but she is. And she's someone who... In a lot of ways, the people, and in particular, the women in Medallion don't really have a lot of, I guess, just options in terms of, like, how to navigate socially. Like, a lot of it is either fall into marriage and sort of like the social prescriptions that come along with that or be sort of like a Sula to a lesser extent Hannah type character that kind of like has a greater level of independence but in that there is this like I feel like Sula takes it to the extreme I feel like Sula very much is this person this kind of like I know we mentioned this earlier like in the forward with um of Sula like this idea of like an outlaw women and like just kind of like what possibilities that opens she's just someone who really doesn't like she's not bound by like social perception or expectation she just kind of does her own thing and in a lot of ways despite medallion being 
a really open place typically that kind of accepts people for who they are. This is something that they really bump heads with. Like it's something that like even though they, they accept Sula, they don't run Sula out of town. They don't. They also don't like Sula. It's really obvious that they just. I mean, when she died, no one really. People were like relieved. Like everyone was just kind of like, oh, thank God. You know, like it's just. I think she's just like. I don't know. It, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. It's. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about this because Toni Morrison does talk about Sula in, in her forward as like a black female outlaw and what does that look like and at first i i was thinking about it's like her question is how do you become an outlaw in black society because black Mm. society does have not an open arm policy but almost like a just let it rock or like they said in the book like this is just a phenomenon that happens like we're not going to make a big deal out of it and Sula, but that's not to say that there aren't any rules and i think that's what tony morrison is trying to point out well, she's pointing out a lot of things, but I think that's the, the dichotomy she's creating. Like, blackness is different from whiteness, but it doesn't mean there aren't rules to the society. Right. And so Sula is an outlaw because she's specifically breaking the rules of black society. Mm-hmm. She's putting Eva in a, a nursing home. It's like, you, you can do what you want, but a nursing home? Like, right. <laughs> girl, really? Like, people were pissed. Yeah, they're like, that's not how we do things. And it's and I think that's why people start then to cling back to doing things like as, quote unquote, traditionally as the community can. And mm. even accepting things that like they uh, annoy them. Like your husband's cheating. That annoys you. But you're because in the face of Sula, who's this outlaw, you, you're you like, let's cling to, quote unquote, tradition, you know, mm-hmm. in a weird way. And so it's um, I think Sula is like she's a, a foil or a what's it called? The antithesis that mm-hmm. kind of like shows where exactly the lines are drawn around the community. Right. And I think that was actually like a very interesting part of the novel that I was like, oh, oh, crap. Like, that's kind of what Sula's doing. But also she's kind of showing... I actually really love this because I don't think enough people do this. Like, kind of shining a spotlight on what's wrong with our Black community without even mentioning whiteness. You know what I mean? And that's what an outlaw character does, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so when you see an outlaw, like, cowboy, it's like, oh, the laws of society aren't working and that's why you have an outlaw. Sula Sula is playing this outlaw character to kind of shine on, like, do you care to take care of teapot like are you right. actually taking care of him mm-hmm. like you know like are we letting your husband just run around and like make you feel lesser and um there's a a, a point i really like where nell comes in to confront sula as marcy pointed out nell's like you're lonely and no one talks to you and she's like and she's like lonely ain't it and and then sula responds yes but my lonely is mine now your lonely is somebody else's made by somebody else and handed to you ain't that something a secondhand lonely mm. and i was like who who and the fact was in that argument i wasn't even agreeing with sula but when she said that i was like no you might need to get your talking points together because sula <laughs> got that ass like well, what she are you really saying i think new i think now just like stormed out after that I was like right. well girl you lonely and i'm just like well girl you didn't know what to say like Sula, exactly. I mean, Sula won no zero. Like, I mean, mm. fuck. Anyway, sorry. No, that's true. <laughs> like, it was a tennis game and it was love 45. Hey, come like, on. That's what's <laughs> I'm like, Sula's about to win the match, bro. Like, that's... I need you to come on. I need, there needs to be like a makeup art because fuck. I'm dead. <laughs> but yeah, and so, so I thought that was interesting. I thought it was, especially since Nell does seem to, and Sula is saying that. She's almost like, Nell, when did we become part of society? Like, when did mm. the rules of society apply to us? Like, why are you mad about this dude kid? I thought it was us, right? Or die. And dude was just kind of like a guy that was there right although to flip that on its head Sula you did leave for 10 years and you didn't take Nell with you but then Nell you got married first so 
you just is a question, you know, yeah. that tension between adulthood and childhood and being what you're supposed to be and being what you want to be. So I think that's a good question. Like, who is Sula? And do we all need that sort of, like you were saying, other so that we feel confident in our choices when in right. actuality, there are no right choices. There are no ways to be. Right. It kind of just also points to, and my bias is going to show a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've always been someone who I find villainy and evil and, you know, sort of like the sort of, you know, the social labels that we ascribe to people that we find to be like different from us to be really interesting. I think it, in a lot of ways, it kind of points to this idea that just kind of like the fallacies of like who we demonize in, in society. Like, mm. you know, like everyone's like, oh my God, girl, Sula is the worst. Like she just, I have a style on my eye now, teapot breaking his bones. And I'm just like, Teapot broke his bones because he was malnourished. Also, the husbands that, like, Sula's sleeping with are also sleeping with Sula. Really interesting how, like, no one no one has any commentary about, like, Sula is not doing anything. anything. Like, she's not doing anything. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just, like, she's, like, I mean, sure, it, like, according to social ideas, like, and, you know, this, like, permeating monogamy and all of that, like, according to monogamy, like, is it great that Sula's, like, sleeping with someone in a relationship? Nah, but, like, also... They're sleeping with Sula. Right. And the thing is, like, and the, the funny part was that people, when Hannah did it, it was it was fine. Because it was like, Hannah would find, like, consistent people. She would sleep with them consistently. Or even when Nell confronted Sula and was like, like, so you didn't even love him, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, like that's right. that's really what irritated it's them the about disregard. this. It's like, the fact that Sula was not, it wasn't like she slept with them because she was in love with them. Or she, mm. like, wanted to be with them. She was just like, I just wanted to try, see what it would be like. And now I'm over it. And, it. and, like, both men and women alike were like, you can't do that. Like, you can't just, like, jump in and jump out. Like, what the hell? Like, it's just... Right. And it was interesting. It's was, that. You know, it's that. It's the thing that she does where she leaves and comes back. Mm. That's what people don't like. They don't like that she... Because almost everyone's like, Hannah never left. Like, Hannah was right. part of the fabric. And I think that's what it is. And I, I feel that in the black community and even the African community, like... If you stay, your oddities are accepted. Right. But if you leave, mm-hmm. if you come back and then you leave, like, and not like, and then when you come back, you're just jumping in and out of things. Like, right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, we could all jump in and out of things too. And right. Like, and then the question is, like, why don't you? And you're like, well, the whole thing falls apart. And you're like, does it? And you're like, I don't know. You're making me question like, my whole societal concepts. And I don't like that. Right. Yeah. And so Sula just, I mean, her flagrant disregard for people's feelings is like, I mean, not a great way of making friends, but like ultimately when you look at Sula as a person, it's like a lot of it was just sort of like medallions shortcomings or mm. like their sort of like myopic social views that like prevented someone like Sula from being encompassed in the society. Yeah, and it also kind of makes me question too. It's like so y'all can accept like Shadrach and the Deweys and like all these like weird ass people that but live here. But this is the one. But Sula crosses the line. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and also I think also doesn't Ajax kind of do what Sula does? Like girls he, are really knifing people for he this does boy. What Sula does? does. And women fight for him. And never. And people gather. People yeah. are like, oh my god, Ajax, look at these girls just like knifing each other. Literally, people yeah. are. Yeah. Harming, like, literally stabbing each other for Ajax. <laughs> which also, my God, the thirst. Oh, por favor. Like, come on. There's definitely a inter- If I'm ever out here knifing bitches, like, for, like, please get me together. Like, <laughs> allow me to be out here, like, collecting a criminal record for a dude. Jesus mm. Christ. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's something where it's like, it just points to the shortcomings of this own 
society. Which is yeah. not to say that, like, Sula is, like, completely impervious of any, you know... Like, it's not to say that Sula is a perfect character, but, like... The way in which she's demonized is disproportionate to the actions that she's doing. And I... Yes, I agree. And it almost... I think there's an intersection. It it speaks to an intersectionality in a way that I like because I think we sometimes have a hard time pointing out what is sexism and what is racism for black women because these two things oftentimes are just together. They're just mm-hmm. together. And But what you're seeing here is like sexism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Against yeah. a black woman for being, for, um, what's it called? Like, um, when you take control of your agency, like, take- um, there's a word. Ooh, anyway, but she's using her agency, right? She's using her agency. <laughs> right. I granted, granted, it should be noted that Sula, like, is, like, doing not the greatest things. Like, you probably shouldn't cheat on <laughs> your best friend with her husband. But, but then I also, I also do wonder if Sula's, and I said this in the first part about Sula, who's really messed up Sula or society. Sula, when she threw that that the child chicken little into the mm-hmm. water was very like upset about it right. and when her mother died in a flame and everyone was like sula you're evil how come no one she's clearly traumatized and hasn't had time to process that and nobody is helping her process it kind of the same way plum becomes this sort of like traumatized person that is unable to be re um mm-hmm. folded back into society and sula almost gets that same treatment and i think maybe that's what she's afraid of when she goes to eva and is like maybe you know what you did that to plum what are you gonna do to me right. like and so i think there's something to be said about the, the question of sula's trauma and and what that means especially in relation to like nell or someone right you know yeah it's it it co- it goes to show something that you sort of know in real life that like most communities aren't just like boundless when it comes to who they accept and like Ooh. you know un- truly unconditional and like how they love one another. Most no. communities there's a line somewhere, yeah. and it's something that even even within the black community, like even in this community that will accept a plague of robins, that will accept like you know the Deweys being like. Like <laughs> three of the same person, like just all these weird things. It's like, yeah, it's still a society. It's and still it a has society rules. that still has rules. Yeah. It still has people who are in and people who are out. And so, even people who are in the aggregate considered out still have people who they also consider to be out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's not decided by whiteness. Right. This is wholly and 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 truly a story about there is whiteness happening, but as a society, this is he. This is who we consider outsiders, or this is right. who we let in, and why. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Toni Morrison. Yeah. Again, now I understand why this lady <laughs> has a Nobel Prize. Like, this is not a concept that is deeply, like, discussed. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so, like, on a, I don't know, on a depressing note, it makes me question. I'm like, is there, Any is there except- such a thing as a community that truly accepts everyone around? But mm. at the same time, I think also that would have to come with the caveat of, like, when you accept people unconditionally, you accept every element hmm. that you're getting and so sometimes it's like do we want to do that do we want to do that do we want to have just like these boundlessly accepting communities that just like are just like oh yeah anyone and everyone is totally cool whatever whatever because like we mentioned earlier i mean not to say that this happened in the book but like even the whole incident with shadrach and sula and it was kind of implied that like that interaction might become violent or might become kind of weird it was like you know there was this idea of like oh shadrach just does whatever like it's cool right. whatever 
what is the violence that is allowed when we accept people? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And who do we accept and why? And where is the power dynamic right. in that? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I don't have answers to these questions, Marcy. And how much of that violence is actually like a realistic progression of events and how much of it is just speculation and like Ooh. fear permeating? Why is it that Sula is considered more violent than like a Shadrach or like people who are like, not to say mm-hmm. the Shadrach should be considered violent, but like, you know, why is it that like, what 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 what's influencing these like right. these responses here? Right, because right, Sula doesn't really truly do anything particularly. Okay, yes, cheating on your guys. <laughs> I sorry, I keep going back to that. Like, point. We, like, I, I heard you. Like, I'm like, I'm like yeah, it wasn't great, right. <laughs> but like, does she do anything terrible? Right. You know what I mean? That's, why is this un- so unforgivable? Why right. is Sula so unforgivable mm-hmm. when all these other things are forgivable? Right, it's a good question. And like, also, what would Madonna look like if the if the Sulas were integrated? Oh, what would that what would that mean for? I mean, even when you think about Madonna, especially because, like, you know, sort of tangentially, right? There's, like, this mm. mind that, like, you know, people want to start working in and all of that. It's just, like, when you invest in the people who are, like, the most marginalized in a place, like, what does that mean in terms of, like, the, the capital yeah. or, the, like, the potential that emerges from a place like that? Like, what kind of innovation can, like... Sprout from that. Yeah. But then my question is also, because Sula... Are people also afraid that the society falls apart if they all act like Sula? Mm. If everybody leaves Medallion for 10 years, there is no Medallion to come back to. This is true. So that's something we said, too. Like, as positive as Sula is, she is... Outlaws need the law to be outlaws. Mm. Sula needs Medallion to continue to be for her to go out. And then... What did she say? She was like, you are gone for a long time. She's like, maybe not that long, but maybe far. Right. Like, as long as Medallion still exists, like... You know, she needs it there, obviously, because she comes back. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, what part of Sula is actually also taking from the society unfairly, and that's what people are kind of mad about. That makes sense. You know? I don't know. Right. But then men take from society so much. But then it's almost like we accept male takings. Oh. No. Oh, now I'm in my feelings. <laughs> right. It's just like... <laughs> It's just layers to the shit, there's right? Layers. And like, I think that's the beauty in the story. It's yeah. like, there's so many ways. Cause I mean, also, if you were like, yo, what Sula did to Nell was just unforgivable. And honestly, like, I just feel like that was just, just the fact that Nell could have moved past that. I, I relate. Mm-hmm. I would be like, I get it. You know what Fair. I mean? Like, it's like, it's, I, it leaves people like Sula make us ask questions about ourselves, make, make us ask questions about like the communities that we live in. So the things that we accept to be default. And people don't like to do that. That, that is true. But people, let's talk about Nell a little bit. If, right. Speaking about people who don't want to talk about who mm-hmm. they really are, it seems like Sula is questioning, like, Nell, why are you pretending like you've always really been about it for this community like that? Like, right. you were also kind of an oddball. You were also kind of, like, with me. We grew up together. Like, And I think there is something to be said about the fact that there's, like, a sh- there's almost like um, a split. Mm-hmm. And where, when Nell gets married, of her choosing society and mm-hmm. Sula choosing, n- not choosing society. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the tense part comes in the relationship. Um, and isn't there like a quote that like aptly describes this? Right. <laughs> there may be. <laughs> so yeah, there's a part that goes Now Nell was one of them, one of the spiders whose only thought was the next rung of the web, who dangled in dark, dry places suspended by their own spittle more terrified of the free fall and the snake's breath below, their eyes so intent on the wayward strangers who strip into their net. They were blind to the cobalt on their own back, the moonshine fighting to pierce their corners. If they were touched by the snake's breath, however fatal, they were merely victims and knew how to behave in that role, just as Nell knew how to behave as a wronged wife. 
But the free fall, oh no, that required, demanded, invention. A thing to do with the wings, a way of holding the legs, and the most of all, a full surrender to the downward flight if they wished to taste their tongues or stay alive. But alive was what they, and now now, did not want to be. Too dangerous. Now now belonged to the town and all of its ways. Mm. And I love that. First of all, first of all, beautifully written. Again. (laughs) Delicious. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, But also just... The way she says that, like, we're in the spider's web of, of our own making, of our own world. Mm-hmm. And to leave that is terrifying. And to, to be anything else, Nell's like, I take comfort in the traditional role mm-hmm. or the societally accepted role of being hurt by the fact that Jude cheated. When maybe, maybe Nell, like you said, you're not actually, a, you're not that pressed about Jude. Right. <laughs> Jude, like your father left and you were... You never really thought he was going to stay. like, Right. And you weren't that pressed and you weren't that interested. You didn't really care about him, but it was safer. And that line she says, falling would require something of wings. Mm-hmm. Like it would require this like kind of leap of faith, this sort of evolution of ourselves into something more. And that terrifies us. Mm-hmm. And there's that quote, you know, where people are like, um, we're not afraid of failing. We're afraid of like everything we could become. That's not how that quote goes. <laughs> But right, like we would rather, and it's that free fall, that fear of falling and what that means that terrifies us and holds us, holds us back. And I was like, yeah, now you need Sula because you're afraid of being that person, even though you want to be that person. And you're like, and that's kind of what they mean when, when, um, Eva's like, you, Sula, the same person. Mm -hmm. You were, when that boy fell into the water, you're the one smiling. It's almost like, and it, and honestly, it, it then goes back to Sula and those white boys who are beating up Nell and how mm-hmm. she needed Sula to be the one to do the crazy thing. Right. And she prides herself in being the calm one. But like, no, for you to be the calm one, there has to be someone who will do the thing. Right. You know? That's real. And it's like, and it just makes you wonder. It's like. Sula is like indisputably a pariah in this in the society, but at the same time, she... at the, I mean, in medallion, yeah, I feel like she is. I feel like people don't really fuck with her. She's a pariah, but doesn't everyone treat their friends and family better when she shows up, and worse when she leaves? I'm is just that, saying, isn't that a function of pariahs? Is it? I kind of read it as like. Because Sula, also, was I'm like, sorry, this, I'm throwing questions. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, I'm into it. I live for this shit. Like, because like I feel I read it as the fact that Sula is such. You know, you know how like this. This is a really sort of <laughs> tangential example, but you know how sometimes like you know growing up, like when you would see like one of your siblings getting in trouble, you act extra nice to your parents. <laughs> yes. It's like it's like like when you, it's like oh damn, they really fucked up. You're like oh mom, let me really extra compliment my mama today, and, like right. you know, like kind of overcompensate and like it's like. In this person's wrongdoing, I'm going to, like, approximate myself as closely as possible to the ideal standard of behavior. That's how I read this. Oh, I So, see. like, Sula being, like, this, like, outlaw, like, pariah, like, kind of breaking all the rules. Uh. People felt the need to overcompensate in their other relationships to be like, well, I'm so not like Sula that, like, I'm doing mm. this and Sula's doing that. Because, like, I need to, like, reduce my distance as much as possible from her. I see what you're saying. How, how, did you, how did you read no, it? No, when you say it like that, I actually think you are very correct. And mm-hmm. then it makes me wonder, like, as you were saying, saying that, I was wondering. So then, in a way, isn't Sula part of the society? Yeah. Yeah. 
Because they need that's the and that's yeah. the and that's the why they hate Sewell so much because they need, need her. her, but she mm. does not need them. It's like the way, at all. yeah. It's like the Joker, the way Batman needs the Joker, but mm-hmm. like, does the Joker need Batman? I mean, their relationship is a little bit more. Like, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's almost like this: you villainize them, but you need the villain. But you need them. Who? Because who are you without Sula? Are mm. you good enough? Do you still like yourself? You know, like it's Damn. like right. Like, oh my god, did they white people Sula? I think they white people. Oh, yeah and so the thing is it's so funny because like the fact that sula and nell even at the end of the day was like girl y'all are the same person it's like i mean you're also right because like the one that y'all thought was evil evil is a subjective word here but like Mm. nell is displaying really the character the one the characters that y'all really should be worried about are the ones that nell are exhibiting right now let me actually find the the quote because this shit is wild so Essentially, so to put this in context, this is right after Nell had talked to Eva and Eva was like, oh, like, you, like, watched that boy die, like, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That was Sula. So this is, a, like, a little passage that kind of goes into some of Nell's psychology that we honestly, up to this point, don't really see that much into. So it reads, what did old Eva mean by you watched? How could she help seeing it? She was right there. But even in Say See, she said watched. I did not watch it. I just saw it. But it was there anyway, as it had always been, the old feeling in the old question. The good feeling she had had when Chicken's hand slipped. She hadn't wondered about that in years. Why didn't I feel bad when it happened? How come it felt so good to see him fall? All these years, she had been secretly proud of her calm, controlled behavior when Sula was uncontrollable, her compassion for Sula's frightened and shamed eyes. Now it seemed that What she had thought was maturity, serenity, and compassion was only the tranquility that follows a joyful stimulation. Just as the water closed peacefully over the turbulence of Chicken Little's body, so had contentment washed over her enjoyment. So, get your girl Nell, because (laughs) the thing is, like... Without Asula, that kind of, like, response is, like, you literally got a joyful stimulation from watching that little boy drown, like... You know what? I think it attests to the evil in all of us. Yeah. We all want to believe that there's <laughs> someone else who can be the villain, mm-hmm. when in actuality and truth, we are all very capable of bad behavior. Absolutely. And I think that's true. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, if the, if we're not for Asula, if we're not for a Jude, like, mm-hmm. what kind of person would Nell really have become? Like, Ooh. how much would you have really acted on this if you, like... How much would you really be subscribing to this propriety if people if people didn't yeah. buy Nell's thing, right? If she tried to be normal, but people didn't think she was normal. Right. Because Sula she, being there allowed her to be the normal one. Right. Mm. Wow. So it just makes you question. I'm like, it, and I think, and that's the thing that, again, is like, especially like as you like, because you know, you like watch cartoons when you're little and they're just like, oh, like this evil person, like Mojo Jojo did this <laughs> evil thing and the Power Girls have to like fight. It's just like. But like Mojo Jojo, like it's like us, you know. Like, it's right. Like, it's like right. no one's like this whole idea of like people are just evil or not evil. It's just like for the in the at the at the end of the day, for most of us, it's just like not, not really real. the case. Like most of us, like given different circumstances or you know yeah. whatever different social environments. I mean, if you're if Nell was in an env- an environment that socially activated this premonition inside of her to like act or out, or if this she violence, had just had Chicken Little in her hands. If it would just been her instead of Sula, it's mm. very possible. It's just as possible of happening right. in the reverse. Um, and how much of that would have been an accident? Right, because Sula seemed to be genuinely distraught about it right. um, in a way that Nell wasn't necessarily. Yeah. So. So, 
Ooh, so I just think it's really questions. interesting. <laughs> like, oof, oh, this book. Oh my god, ciao. So let's talk about this parade real quick. Okay. <laughs> this parade again, and this again talks to just how the way Toni Morrison will mix humor with something that is so very <laughs> just so much not funny. So as we said, they go, and I I want to read this quote because it's. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like really trying to keep it together. <laughs> like, it's, well, it's just a crazy quote. So. Mm-hmm. Basically, they've gone to the mine, and this is kind of the last chapter of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot a lot of them died there. The earth now warm shifted. The first four poles slipped. Loose rock fell from the face of the tunnel and caused the shield to give way. They found themselves in the chamber of water, deprived of the sun that had brought them there. With the first crack and wish of water, the clamor to get out was so fierce that others who were trying to help were pulled to their deaths. Pressed up against steel ribs and timber blocks, young boys strangled when, when the oxygen left them to join the water. Outside, others watched in terror as ice slipped and earth shook beneath their feet. Miss Jackson, weighing less than a hundred pounds, slid down the bank and met with op- with an open mouth the ice she had craved all her life. <laughs> Dar Baby, Desi, Ivy, Valentine, and the Herod boys, some of Ajax's younger brothers, and the Deweys, at least it was supposed their bodies were never found, <laughs> all died there. Mr. Buckland Reed escaped, so did Patsy and her two boys, as well as some fifteen or twenty who had gotten not close enough to fall or whose timidity would not let them enter an unfinished tunnel. And all the while, Shadrach stood there, having forgotten his song and his rope. He stood there, high up on the banks, ringing or ringing his bell. Ooh. Ooh. First of all, the, again, the Deweys. Like, and that Miss Jackson line, I was like, why you gotta come from Miss Jackson? Right, like, with, met with an open mouth. I should crave the girl. You, you know, all that. Miss Jackson, like, ate ice a lot in the book. <laughs> I'm gonna shade her in her day. It's like Michael like, 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 like that. And also, like, I'm sorry, the fucking dude was to the end. To the end. Like, we, also, we didn't include this in the plot summary, but, like, tell me why. Oh my god. There was literally, like, when Sula had just got back to Medallion, she's, like, catching up with Nell, da 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 da. And, like, She's like, oh, like, you know, like, how's Eva and them? And, like, Sula's like, girl, Tar Baby's still depressed. The Dewey's still crazy. And then, like, <laughs> Nell was like, yeah, her one of the mamas, like, tried to come and pick up one of them, but, like, she couldn't tell which one was who. And I'm just like, they don't look the same, like, at all. Not really. Oh, they also God. are varying ages. But I, <laughs> I just, I can't with them. But I, I thought it was so interesting. And actually, I just saw Us. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about Jordan Peele and Get Out. And this passage, I feel like, it, it's almost like how Us and Get Out take the tradition of hilarity and terror that you see in Toni Morrison and mm-hmm. a lot of black writing and a lot of black novels and puts into movie form, mm-hmm. right? That last part with Shadrach just ringing a bell over and over That's again. It's haunting. It's haunting. It is terrifying. But then it's juxtaposed with Miss Jackson falling to ice. It's a little bit of shade. So I, I think it's brilliant. And I think that's, I think, what makes these movies ring well mm. with the black community is that it's a continuation of that absurdity, that specific absurdity that you see in Sula that is gender bent. Well, gender bending's great too. Genre bending <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> is genre bending, right? It's, it, it makes it not one category or the other because life isn't one category. It's absurd and also horrifying and also hilarious right (laughs) yeah because even the whole parade scene it was just like even shadrach was like what is happening and the thing that was the part where i was like this is really interesting because like once he realized that sula and his one companion had died after all these years like he didn't want to really want to go out like that and even the whole scene was 
creepy. Like he yeah. like started suicide day and then everyone just gathers around their porch, starts laughing and just joining him. And they're like dancing yeah. so energetically that he's like, okay, girl, like I get it. Like we happy like shit. And like, it was described that when they got to the tunnels, like they jumped like antelopes, like over the gate. It was just like this, like almost like bestial, like weird yeah. energy where I was like, what the fuck is going Happening. on? <laughs> like, And it was just like, even though it was kind of funny, I like legit. I'm sorry, I like could it's not terrifying. stop laughing. Like I was like, yeah. bro, like that, like what's? I literally guffawed about that shit with Miss Jackson. I'm like, you really uh, come on, like like just just pour one out for Miss Jackson, goddamn. But, but anyway, like it was just like this is hilarious, but I'm also like, what what is going on in Medallion? Like, yeah, it's terrifying. It's like the social order just completely fell apart once Sula died. Like people legit yeah. did not know what to do with themselves. It is just, you know what it's like. What do you remember the Giver? When yeah. they're like, if everyone starts seeing color and shit, like, it's gonna, it's about to be ham, like, mm. war is gonna start immediately, like, right. I feel like this is what happened with Sula, like, Sula was the giver, and when she died, everyone was, like, you know, like, running around, like, with their heads cut off, like, going insane. Right. <laughs> Jesus. And Except apparently just... Nell, who was like, oh. Right. And it's funny, because I remember even before Sula died, she said to, I think it was to Nell, she was like, all of y'all are gonna need me. Like, yeah. When I die, like, it's, y'all are going to realize this at the 11th hour, but, like, you need me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, Sue was so self-centered. Oh, my God, this is ridiculous. But I'm like, case in point. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's like with the with this pariah out of the picture, it's like. And not just pariah. I think she's also their aspiration. Yeah. So, so it's almost like when she dies, like, aspiration you other the aspiration, but you also, it's kind of like keeps you from going to suicide. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because mm. just going back to the wing metaphor, fall, the free fall in the wing, like she's unconventional, but also deep inside you, you also kind of want to be free too. You need the fact that someone left town for 10 years mm-hmm. and became someone else. Because that means somewhere, if you were willing to give it all up, you could also be Sula, you know? Mm-hmm. Whew. I think this is so weird, but now I'm understanding, like, the poor white experience where they're like, someday I could be rich, too. And that's why I'm going to enact this, like, very oppressive policy that helps no one but rich people. And and to be funny, but also in the same way, it's explaining the human experience. Mm -hmm. We do these things. It's a human thing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Needing someone else to other, but also aspire to. To hate, but also love. Mm -hmm. I hate to say this, but it's like Fight Club. I've never seen Fight Club. We're not going to talk about it because okay. I'm real misogynistic, but, <laughs> Oof. you know. I heard it was good. It, um, I mean, who I heard it from doesn't really say much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's just it's just another another doppelganger type of situation. Mm. Um, so I just love that you brought up that idea of horror because, like, it's just, I, I think what at the base of it, a lot of what makes something horrifying or creepy is just, like, when we ascribe emotions to things that, like, should not have that same emotion. Oh, I see. Like, juxtaposing, like, it's like, this is funny as fuck, but, like, this shouldn't be funny at all. Right. Like, everyone's smiling and laughing, but, like, what they're doing is, like, kind of haunting and really weird. It's so disturbing yeah. that even Shadrach is like, what the fuck is going on? The emotional yeah. volatility and, like, unpredictability is, like, what leads people to being, like, I... It's almost like why... You know, when you see, like, in a scary movie, like, people sing, like, smiling, or, like, when a killer is, like, smiling, mm. or they're singing, like, children's songs, or they're just putting in these elements that, like, should not represent this horrifying, like, horror should just be horror, terror should just be terror, evil should just be evil. It shouldn't be human. It shouldn't be, like, yes. 
subject to all of these different experiences, all these different emotions, all at the same time. Yeah. We almost need, we, we want it. Like in a perfect world, evil would just be evil. It wouldn't also right. be funny or weak or insecure. It would just be evil. And or, right. Or able to like assimilate into a society and yeah. like follow all the rules of propriety and not really be clockable. Like yeah. people like Nell should not like that shouldn't be like, like right you, like you should you shouldn't be evil. <laughs> you should just be like one of the people that conforms just like everybody else, God fearing like everybody else, and not enjoying yourself when you see a little boy die. Yeah, that's not a thing that should you know. And, and like that's the part is where it's like wow that terrifies us. They're like, could I be now? Could I also be low key deep inside myself, like capable of such? Maybe not even that deep. Yeah, that's what terrifies yeah. us. And that's kind of what us in the movie is, too. Yeah. That's that fear. What what are we capable of? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to us, but that's a There's a lot to us. Podcast. I, oh my God. It, we, you know, we, 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 we sure I shouldn't go down that road. Cause I'm, right. Because I'm like, y'all, y'all need to see the movie. Hands across it's, America? Anyway. Oh, God. Um, And I guess, like, just, like, one last thing I wanted to sort of talk about before we wrap up is, so... To be fair, Toni Morrison never necessarily, to my knowledge, like marketed this as like a queer novel or anything mm. like that. But I remember kind of as I was picking the books, I like this book really stood out to me because a lot of queer people were just saying, oh, this is a really important novel. Like this helped me learn so much about like queer relationships and things like that. And like perhaps this is like a whole podcast episode probably is. But sometimes I wonder, are we a little generous with what we ascribe to be like? queer things like reading this book i feel like it's more it's more uh like a statement around friendship and like closeness but i think sometimes it's like we as a society are so quick to ascribe sort of a sexual underpinning to something that should just be sort of like an emotional experience like i didn't really necessarily read sula and i mean i can understand why someone might read nell and sula's closeness as sexual but like i didn't really read it as sexual like how much room are we allowing people to just be like emotionally close to one another without i guess there being a sexual piece not saying that like a sexual piece is bad but it's just you know like it's like i feel like sometimes we or like these things that like in my opinion should just be more of like a benign example like relationships like the closeness between nell and sula like that should just be like a normal occurrence like like i guess also what does it say about our society that like this reads as like 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 a queer (laughs) sort of like underpinning when it's like so little is happening not that much is really like happening yeah i agree i think it's like and I think this has to do with the past of not being able to outwardly say things mm. were gay relationships. So if you were queer, you were looking for the affection anywhere. Obviously, you're, like you and 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 things which were lesbian and queer were coded specifically in certain ways so that you could read it without getting in trouble or it could get past censorship. But in mm. that, there's a denial of it. There's a denial of it one as a as a thing like right? mm-hmm. that can be talked about loudly and proudly, mm-hmm. uh, but also in that is this need in American society, which I think is ridiculous, to sort of make every type of relationship one thing. Right. Love is only romantic love, and and friendship doesn't really exist. Like, oh, you guys were that close? Then uh, maybe you guys had to be sleeping with each other. Like, right. you know what I mean? It's like there are love is such a wide and big and multifaceted thing that like i think it's a little bit ridiculous to just simmer it down to this very poor you know like just to say this is well it had to fit in this category and that was it and you're like no these are childhood friends who grew up together and like maybe it was sexual maybe it wasn't but just why are we we don't need to like first of all (laughs) 
and, and I can understand, like, at the time, like, in the 70s, it would, it would be very hard to write a queer novel and get away with it. I mean, people yeah. have written them, but it's, it's very mm. difficult. So I understand that. And then, so maybe it's a utility of a bygone era of needing to code things. So, mm. so I, I don't want to take away from that experience. But it's just, love is a complicated thing. And I think we should allow for that complexity in our society now when we can now say what things are without having to code them. Right. Just to allow people the i don't know the spectrum of experiences right right and not bog them down to sound so millennial to certain categories <laughs> and labels <laughs> but you know what i mean like right. to allow for the complexity of the way we feel and interact and love and know each other mm-hmm. and that's actually part of the problem in this novel right it's right. like everyone wants things to be a specific way even though society is bursting at the seams to not to be that way and yeah. people seem to not even want to be that way right and so then to go and then say like this what this is and isn't seems like a little yeah you know. and, and i think you bring up a great point about you know just sort of the coding sort of how things had to be re- constructed in order to sort of be legible in you know the times then but i guess sometimes too uh, yeah it's i think ultimately it's not really even a critique of sula it's not like i mean this has really nothing to do with the book it's just more so i guess it's something about us yeah i guess i'm just kind of curious to see what it would look like if it was like yeah we could just allow i think as a society we do a good not not a good job (laughs) we we turn a lot of our attention to sexual energy. And I think oftentimes Mm. we don't allow, we don't allow ourselves the same depth to experience like a platonic or an emotional, or even perhaps even just a simply romantic without a sexual kind of energy. We don't really allow for that nuance of closeness. I think sometimes we ascribe the most intimate relationships that we could have as being sexual ones. And like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. And not even necessarily if you're like, it's not to say, like, oh, like, if you're someone who just doesn't necessarily desire a sexual relationship, I think for, like, most of us, we yeah. can, like, that closeness, that intimacy, that, like, warmth and feeling that, yes, can kind of come from a sexual experience. Like, the, But also it, doesn't have to. doesn't, like, have to come from, yeah. like, a sexual experience. Or it's even like, you can, there are, again, like, there's so many types of love in right. the world. And it's like, why do we hierarchy? Which we, we know happens because we're like, oh, they're just friends. Just friends? What the fuck are just friends? That, we're friends. Like, right. that's a deep thing, you know? Right. And we just, and you're right, we hierarchy, make it a hierarchy of what's more important, what has more depth. And you're mm-hmm. right, like, sexual romantic relationships seem to be, in our society, considered the most deep, like, the most right. important. And 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 this book kind of turns out on the on her head, on its head because Jude is not that important. Jude doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Hannah's boys don't matter. Yeah, Hannah's husband doesn't matter. <laughs> Neither does Helena's. To be honest with you, yeah. So it's interesting. And I don't know. And so I guess to that end, it is beautiful for Nell to be like to realize at the very end she's like, yeah. Even despite what I was told socially, like you know, I should hate Sula. Like mm-hmm. even in hatred, like I should not miss her as much as i do and like when i wanted yeah. to be sorrowful like it it it's was you. for sula not for and that f- that that fuzzy ball and uh, doesn't it break open yeah. into like dandelions mm-hmm. and that scene that idea that concept of just like this thing that you want to hate and call terrible you're putting all this hatred on it because you don't want to admit that like what you're afraid of is watching it break open and and see that it was actually like love yeah you know Oh, so heartbreaking. Yeah. God, Toni Morrison. And it's like, damn, now Sula's been dead for like 24 years. Yeah. It breaks your heart. Yeah. And it was even funny, too, because even when Sula died, it was like, I remember there was this really beautiful passage that described how, like, 
it was almost as if she was leaving her body and her transition into death was really simple. And she was like, wow, it wasn't even painful. Wait till I tell Nell. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, 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 so I just, good feelings all around. In terms of this book, I feel like just, I guess to sort of summarize are just. Yeah. Would you, would you recommend it? Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. Like I think Toni Morrison does a phenomenal job of just, I mean, one, the book reads really quickly and really oh, yeah. simply. Like, it's like not, Carter. yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily a hard book to read, but at the same time, it's so, it's like so complex, but also so funny. It's just like a very well rounded book. And you also just get to, even though it's, I mean, Sula's not that long. It's like a hundred, no. like 80 pages. It's like pretty short, but it's like at the same time, you get a really comprehensive picture of this community. You just grow to love them in a way where it's like, you, yeah, you just, yeah. There's no, she uses words so efficiently. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's a great. Like, she doesn't need, like, hundreds of pages of just, like, boundless description about whatever. It's just mm. kind of like, yeah, it doesn't have to be, that, like, that deep. She just yeah. is like, you know, and even, in, like, in the interactions or just, like, in the small details she includes, you just, like, really get a texture for the yeah. community. That Very intentional writing. Exactly. Very intentional. So, absolutely, read this fucking book. <laughs> My God. <laughs> just do it. Uh, what about you? Um, yeah, of course. Like I said, I would I would recommend it wholeheartedly. It, like, it, yeah, it reads so easily and yet so deeply. It's very intentional. And it's just, like I said, I think it tells you about, it tells you about yourself and your society in a way that gets to the, the marrow of us, you know, the mm-hmm. bones of us. And as black people, I don't think we always get that in literature. We don't always yeah. get something that goes to the bones of us. Um Especially when you go to school and they like never have any of these books on the reading lists and you're right. like whatever. But um yeah, so I, I definitely would recommend it. I think it's very good. Um she has other books too, if you guys want to read it. There's Beloved, yes. there's The Bluest Eye, there's Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Yeah, so you know, take a look. I will say the some of her other books are <laughs> dark, 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 dark. <laughs> Less ha- humor, more dark. <laughs> I haven't so to be honest, I like I mean, y'all re- heard part one, like I half-ass read beloved and now i read Sula. so like i'm not really the best one to they're give good but they're all good but this depth that she has you will find it in her other books about mm-hmm. topics that like just make you want to like take a breath in and maybe not let it out like it just is tense damn yeah you're just like <gasps> and you're like oh god <laughs> well if y'all want to hear us maybe read some more tony yeah. Morrison on the podcast let us know let us know mm. also if you want to <laughs> let us know of things again you can get in touch with us. Yeah. Get a shout out like Victoria. Yes, like Victoria. Be like Victoria. Email us at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com. Go to our website, thesecoloredpages.com. And we also have a Twitter at the Colored Pages, where we will list our favorite quotes from authors and just kind of, you know, give more information about the podcast, right. learn more about who we are. And yeah. But yeah, overall, y'all, read this book. My Please. God, it's just, it's so good. I, mm. Oh, God. I, oof, gee, oof. <laughs> but yes, but next time we're going to be talking ab- about another book, which is actually yes. Akko's pick. Yes, we're going to be talking about La Casa de Espiritus mm-hmm. or The House of the Spirits. So get ready for that. It should be in a couple of weeks from now. Yes, two weeks from now. Yeah, so, you know, stay tuned in to hear us talk about it. But until then, stay colorful. Stay colorful.